You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Charity's upcoming season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 338. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. An excellent show for you today. A very important show for you today. We are talking to Jeremy Hartwell and Nick Thompson, contestants on season two of Love is Blind. Jeremy sued Kinetic Energy and Netflix a year ago. And we talk about the lawsuit. Nick Thompson and Jeremy have started the UCAN Foundation, which we will get into in regards to helping reality show contestants with their mental health. And we will get to all that momentarily. As you know, this podcast brought to you by Trivia Star. Trivia Star has thousands of five-star reviews in the Apple Store and is the number one trivia game in the App Store. If I were to ask you to name a movie by John Travolta or Tom Hanks, could you answer in under 15 seconds? Probably. Pretty easy. Trivia Star's free mobile t- trivia game with over 60 different categories you get to choose from, including music, TV, animals, and celebrities, if you choose the correct answer. From multiple choices and you beat the clock, you get to the next level. It sounds simple, but obviously the game gets harder as you go along. If you get stuck, don't worry. You can use coins and gems and you get hints to beat that particular level. If you like trivia like I do, especially sports and entertainment trivia, you will love Trivia Star. Right now, Trivia Star is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. I love playing this in my free time. Yes, I'm still doing other games, but I do love Trivia Star because it's kind of, well, it's very relaxing for me and it tests my sports knowledge, to be honest with you. It's kind of a pat on the back for how much sports knowledge I have in this brain of mine. But I absolutely love it. You can too. Trivia Star has thousands of those five-star reviews in the Apple Store. I told you. It's the number one trivia game in the App Store. Go to Apple or Google Store and search for Trivia Star. Download Trivia Star for free today and get ready to flex your brain muscles. So before we get started with Jeremy and Nick, I'm sure a little background on both of them. I'm sure a lot of you have already heard them on Game of Roses. I'm sure you've heard them go on with Dave Neal. They've talked about this stuff, and I wanted to bring them in because I support their cause. When I looked into it more, I was like, okay, this this is something I've been talking about for years. It's just kind of weird how we've just all accepted. We all know that the contract these reality show contestants sign for Love is Blind and Bachelor and Bachelorette and the Bachelor franchise, it's it's ridiculous. Because in the wording of the contract, it literally says they have all the control over whatever they do to your character. It even says they can manipulate you, they can lie to you, they can surprise you. You have no legal recourse, none. And for whatever reason, we've all known this. And it's when people like Nick Vial say, well, you know what you sign up for. Yes, maybe some do. Maybe some do better than others if they prey on a naive contestant maybe that person doesn't exactly know what they're signing up for and his whole point is look it's in the contract it says they can do anything they want to you and they can defame you and you have no legal recourse so stop complaining what jeremy and nick are coming forward now and saying is why 
Why is that just accepted? Yes, it's been this way for 20 years, but only because reality TV production companies are putting this in the contract. Can we get this changed? It's going to take a lot because these contracts have been in place for 20 years. And you can say like, well, I don't want to sign that because you can defame my character. Great. There's probably 100,000 people lined up around the corner that would sign it because they don't care about the contract. They're only looking for the positive that could possibly come out of this show. What Jeremy and Nick are also doing is helping those people who didn't have quite the most positive experience and are struggling with their mental health. And that's part of the UCAN Foundation is, is what they started. Um, I think this is, I mean, I've before, this has only been around for a couple of weeks, so it's not like they have been around and doing this stuff for a long time. UCAN started right when they basically made news a couple of weeks ago coming out. It's the Unscripted Cast Advocacy Network, and they're just providing legal and mental health support to past, current, and future reality TV cast members. You can donate there. All you got to do is go to youcanfoundation.org. Read about it. You can donate if you want. I donated. Um, we recorded this interview last week, so uh, there's one update I do want to make on it is the fact that this past weekend, Nick and his ex-wife from season two of Love is Blind, Danielle, hung out together, took a picture together, and all of a sudden it turned into Nick and Danielle are trying to rekindle. I didn't know that was the case, but it happened two days after I recorded with Nick. So I asked him myself, and I said, hey, what's the deal? I mean, we I, I just want to update uh, in the open of my podcast, since you and I didn't talk about Danielle in this podcast, which you won't hear us talk about her much. We do bring her up, but we don't talk about her much. He just said they got together Saturday to talk about some stuff and shouldn't have posted the picture, but it's been blown out of proportion. So there's your quote from Nick uh, in regards to anything that was posted about him and Danielle possibly rekindling or anything. It's not like he's got ill will toward her at all. He's just saying like, that. Nah, it was just blown out of proportion. But yeah, we probably shouldn't have posted uh, the picture together. But check out the UCAN Foundation website and... If you didn't listen to them on Game of Roses or didn't listen to them on Dave Neal, have a listen today and you'll get a clear explanation. I think the one thing that we talked about that I think the other two didn't talk about, I didn't listen to them in full on the other two podcasts, was the reaction from that they have gotten since they have done those interviews. And yes, we do spend about 15 to 20 minutes talking about Nick Vial since he is the only I haven't seen many other people speak out against these guys and basically shit on them like Nick did. And we break down what Nick said. We talk about the motivations he has for speaking the way he does uh, against them, why he called them MFers. Like, it just, we spend time. Yes, they're not fans of Nick. They would go on Nick's podcast in a heartbeat and talk to his face. And we all know that Nick would never put them on because Nick is in the wrong with his opinion on this, because so much stuff that Nick has said wasn't just him expressing his opinion. He was factually incorrect in things that he was saying. But will he ever admit it? Probably not. Will he ever put Danielle or Jeremy or Nick Thompson on his show? No, because he realizes he's going to be put in his place if he did. So we talk about what they have said on the other podcast, but also the reaction they've gotten for speaking out and their motivations for speaking out like Nick Vial claims 
it's just to get followers. Do you realize that Jeremy Hartwell doesn't even have 3,000 followers on Instagram? Do you really think this guy is doing this for followers? Suing Netflix? Suing a production company? As a guy with 3,000 followers? You think you, you think he's after money? You think he's after followers? Not quite. And the one thing that Nick Vile is accusing Nick Thompson of, followers. He's got 330,000 followers. He's just bitter he can't capitalize. Couldn't be further from the truth. Just listen to Jeremy and Nick tell their story, and I think you will understand why myself, She's All Batch, Dave Neal, and Game of Roses have spoken out against the dangerous and really terrible things that Nick Vial said in regards to the lawsuit that Jeremy filed last year and what Nick Thompson is saying uh, and the UCAN Foundation that they started. We go over all of it in this podcast. Today's podcast also brought to you by Coming Out for Love. Episode 2 drops tomorrow on comingoutforlove.com. The first all-female dating competition show in the U.S., it um, it's coming out. Like I said, it re-released. It started on Valentine's Day, had some streaming issues. Coming out with episode number two tomorrow. Follow the first Bachelorette. Internet sensation Amber Whittington as she dates a diverse group of 16 women all vying for her heart. Go to comingoutforlove.com. Click the watch button. Bundles in the top right-hand corner. Purchase whatever bundle you'd like to use. Use the promo code REALITYC for 15% off your order, and you're all set for the 16-episode pass. Like I said, Episode 2 drops tomorrow, and then for the next 14 Fridays after that, you get a new episode. Comingoutforlove.com. Click on Bundles. Promo code REALITYSTEVE, 15% off your order at checkout. Also, this podcast brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit Every lifestyle, celebrate, and, well, you can celebrate, but Green Chef is the only meal kit that is both carbon and plastic offset. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions to your door as well as 100% of the plastic in every box, plus nearly all packaging materials are curbside recyclable in most U.S. areas in the U.S. 100% of their seafood meats in the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch rankings of certified best choice or good alternative. With Green Chef, you're reducing your food waste by up to 23% versus grocery shopping. As the only keto meal kit, Green Chef makes sticking to a carb-conscious lifestyle easy. I've told you about it. It's made my cooking easier, and I'm a guy that doesn't cook. The crispy southern chicken is probably my favorite dish, followed by the brown butter pork chops. Very easy to make. The directions are so simple. They give you every ingredient that you need. None of these recipes take you more than 30 minutes, and you will love them. Go to greenchef.com slash realitysteve and use code realitysteve60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash realitysteve60. Use code realitysteve60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. All right, here we go. Going to love this one. Podcast number 338. All right, let's bring them in. Uh, you have seen them in the news for the last couple weeks. They've been on a lot of podcasts. It is Jeremy Hartwell and Nick Thompson. They both appeared on season two 
of Love is Blind. Uh, like I said, they've been in the news recently for the organization they've started, You Can, which provides legal and mental health support to past, current, and future reality TV cast members. Guys, thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. I know that uh, this it's is an honor. This is um, the, I don't know what podcast number this is for you guys, but you guys have been uh, quite the media boys uh, recently. So I, I, I want to start with you, Jeremy. Um, you were the one to fire the first uh, salvo, so to speak, in in June of last year. You filed a lawsuit against Netflix and Kinetic Content, the production company behind Love Is Blind, and you accused them of labor law violations and subjecting contestants to unsafe and inhumane working conditions, depriving them of sleep, uh, not supplying enough food and water, providing an excess of alcohol. I don't even know what you can talk about in regards to that lawsuit. Where does it stand right now? What can you say about it right now? Yeah, I, I can't say much about the status itself. Um, so to answer your question directly, <laughs> um, it's ongoing and uh, it's moving and we're optimistic about the outcome is about all I can say there. But I, I can't talk about anything that was in the lawsuit or the motivations behind it. Yeah, and I think that's the I think the biggest thing is, look, there's going to be a lot of devil's advocate here where I just want to play what people are saying publicly that are uh, against this or don't understand why this is a story, don't understand why this is what it is. Because you filed this last June, but it wasn't until a Business Insider article came out two weeks ago to where this has gotten national attention. A lot of people are covering this. Obviously, you started the UCAN uh, Foundation recently, and we, we will get into that. So tell everyone your motivation for doing this. Why file the lawsuit? Um I'll even throw out the first devil's advocate um, that is out there in terms of why this was filed, because you didn't get enough screen time, which you didn't. You said you got about 30 seconds of screen time. It didn't turn into a successful post-show influencer world for you, and you're just bitter, and that's why you're doing it. So fill people in on why you did what you did. Yeah, I think I'd just like to lead with, like, I'm I'm empathetic to that viewpoint. And if I was someone outside looking in, seeing this happening, um, I might adopt the same viewpoint, right? But I would just challenge people that hold that perspective to, like, be open to a different viewpoint, you know, a different perspective, and to try to be empathetic to what actually happened. And so for me, clearly, you know, I wasn't on the show very long. And, you know, there were connections I developed, but they didn't turn into something that allowed the producers to want to follow me to Mexico and to continue on into production. So a lot of viewers may not be familiar with who I am because I had, you know, a couple of lines on the first episode of season two, but that didn't mean I didn't go through a whole process in the show. I was there for a week. Um, and then before I was let go. And during that week, it was, I came back and it took me three days to recover from everything. And I was left with this realization of what the hell just happened to me. And if you, first of all, there was a lot of emotional trauma I had to work through from the experience that uh, I spent time with my psychologist with, um, and luckily was able to unpack and work through all of that. But it just, it struck me with everything we went through. I just asked the question to myself, how can this be legal was what went through my head because and everyone's heard this by now, and I, I'm sure with your audience in The Bachelor, this isn't new either, but the sleep deprivation, the food deprivation, the false imprisonment, the, the taking away all forms of our IDs or credit cards, ability to pay 
um, not having a bathroom on set and not letting us use the bathroom unless they gave us permission and escorted us to trailers. Like it just, if you forget all of the other stuff about reality TV and what you want to, or don't want to believe about manipulation or scripting or motivations for cast members, anything, right. They're violating basic human rights. I experienced it firsthand. It affected me in a massively traumatic way. It, I watched everyone else go through it, and I watched everyone else experience the same trauma from it. And so the question in my mind was, how can this be legal? And so I started digging into it to try to understand what was going on and the difference between um, contract laborers uh, and full-time employees. And I, I have a background. Uh, my first job was a contracts manager for a defense contractor. So I've, I spent seven years like writing contracts, negotiating $100 million contracts with other countries, interpreting contracts. So I don't have a law degree, but I do have a lot of experience in contract interpretation. And that's sort of where you know, it hit me that the reason why you don't hear about this stuff and there wasn't a lawsuit filed prior was because if you approach this from a tort or abuse perspective, it gets caught up in these very heavy-handed arbitration clauses. But if you can make the allegation that they violated state labor laws, which is the way the lawsuit went, you can't keep that in arbitration clause because all of a sudden you're saying you've, you violated a state law. And so that's that's why the lawsuit came out and that was the reason behind the lawsuit it's like look somebody has to do something to get this out into the public record so it's not just a rumor or a trickle or tea and so that was the motivation behind the lawsuit and i think the what we want the lawsuit to accomplish is absolutely in line with civil litigation in making the victims whole and then creating monetary penalties around the violations that the production company and um, you know Netflix is a defendant as well uh, were party to. So the lawsuit in itself is its own instrument and has its own purpose. But one, you know, beyond just the legal aspect of that, somebody had to get this out into the open, and that was that was one of my main motivations to pursue it. Yeah, and you most uh, certainly did that, and then the Business Insider article that came out a couple weeks ago really dove into a lot of things. It caught up with a lot of contestants from Love is Blind who basically corroborated your lawsuit and the things that you claim happened in the lawsuit. It wasn't just, this isn't just one person that said, hey, this happened to me. It is happening to others, and I think having covered The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, I've spoken to numerous contestants behind the scenes who have told me things that are very similar, not being able to go to sleep until you give production what they want. But will any of these contestants ever say this publicly on record? No. And I would never reveal their names because they told it to me in confidence. And that's where you get into this struggle of, well, you do have a contract that you sign when you go on these shows. Love is Blind's contract probably not much different than the bachelors where it says the contract literally states it can destroy your reputation. Um, it says they will expose information that's personal and private, surprising, defamatory, disparaging, embarrassing, or even unfavorable. Um, and it's open. You're open to public ridicule, humiliation, and condemnation. Like it states that specifically in the contract. So the detractors will once again say, well, Jeremy, you know what you were signing up for when you signed that contract? They're literally telling you this is what they can do. So what is your response to that? Well, I'm not I'm not going after any of that stuff, right? And I think the other thing is 
um, I, you know, I didn't get famous from this. I didn't really try to get famous from this. There was like maybe a, a two or three day period where I tried to spotlight um, social media growth because it was an, it was an opportunity in front of me, but I quickly realized I didn't want to do that. And it was making my life more stressful, but um, you know, I had 200 Instagrams of like followers before this. I think I had 1600 um, when all was said and done from the show. And I didn't, I didn't want anything from the social media. And I think the other aspect of that is um, there was nothing to be disparaged about me, right? No one who knew who I was. So yeah. this notion that um, like I was trying to fight the, how I was portrayed, like there was no me to be portrayed. Right. And I think that's exactly why I felt comfortable bringing forward this lawsuit because I had far less to lose. Um, and it, I, I was put in a position to where I was able to bring this forward on behalf of a lot of cast members who were feeling the same way, but had a, a lot more out in the public image and a lot more to worry about from that perspective. So, and it's, again, if, you know, if the goal of this was to become well-known or famous or try to get my myself back in the spotlight, um, I'm either wildly inept at that because if you just if you just look at my growth like go to my instagram like look at the posts i've done since the lawsuit was filed and look at my account growth i'm either wildly inept uh, more so than anybody in history <laughs> again i didn't even post right or i actually mean what i say in that it was never about trying to gain the spotlight and it was about furthering a cause for human rights violations like one of one of those fits occam's razor the other one doesn't yeah. And so I want to bring uh, Nick in here at this time as well. And Nick, um, probably, you know, you agree with uh, a lot of what Jeremy has said here. And in turn, you guys started the UCAN Foundation. And for those that, that don't know, UCAN stands for Unscripted Cast Advocacy Network. So what you want to do after seeing all this and this is going public is basically just reach out and help reality show contestants fresh off any show. It doesn't have to be love is blind, any show that's struggling with mental health. I guess my question to you would be at first when somebody reaches, actually let me back up. You can start it. It basically started a couple weeks ago, right when this business insider article came out since this has gone public, how many, you don't have to give a number, but has there been an influx of reality show contestants that are like reached out to you and said, wow, thank you for doing this. Here's my story. Uh, <laughs> much to, to the detriment of my own mental health, that is the case. So uh, we are two, two uh, weeks and two days into the launch of this network. We have over 200 mental health uh, professionals that have joined our network. We have matched uh, – Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy. I think we've matched two with therapists at this point. Yeah, we're, we're we're just in the process of starting to onboard the therapists and match them up with cast members. Okay. Yeah, and and um, you know, just to set the the stage, even if that seems like it's maybe moving slow, there's just three of us working pro bono, uh, trying to do this with our regular lives, and and some of us have jobs too. So, um, you know, this is this is a huge influx of of mental health professionals and legal professionals as well. Um, I personally have had, I, I give you an exact number. It's over 20 people reach out to me directly from love is blind. Um, other shows, uh, married at first sight, um, cooking shows. And 
other Netflix shows I've had. So these stories that people are telling are showing me that this is much more needed than even I knew two and a half weeks ago, hmm. because the stories are, are sexual assault. Okay. The stories are, um, you know, no food, no beverage. The stories are mental manipulation, psychological warfare. And I'll even, I'll even read one to you if you want me to, yes. that I got that I'm going to be sharing on social media. And the, the challenge that is there is all of these people say, thank you for your bravery. How are you able to do this? I'm so scared to do, to speak up about my experience. And, you know, my, my whole take there is, is like, I'm doing it because someone has to do it. I don't want, like, I don't want to do this. Like, this isn't my, this wasn't what I wanted to be when I was growing up. Right. Yeah. I was fading on purpose. I was not trying to be an influencer. I was trying to settle back into a little bit of a normal life after my separation and divorce. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to, to figure out what I wanted to do next with my life. And I feel like this dragged me back in as I was, you know, processing my own trauma from all of this and working through it and then seeing, um, you know, the business insider article and just thinking about the toll that this took on me and how I was at rock bottom and the show didn't care. Like they, they didn't care at all. They never reached out. They never asked if I needed support after the show. I begged them to help us uh, multiple times. I asked if they could help us just find a, a couple's counselor because we couldn't find one because it was COVID and everything was, everyone was, you know, maxed out in, in that uh, mental health profession. So just little basic things like that. And I was like, you know, I'm strong and I know I'm strong and I know uh, I'll always be okay. And I can always count on myself, but that is a, that's taken a lot of work to get there and to, to do that. And not everyone has had the luxury I like to say of having access to mental health services and especially on reality shows when people lose their jobs like i'd lost my job a couple weeks after you know my name was was negatively mentioned in the press and you know i don't have insurance right now and so as i started thinking all this stuff i'm like wow there's gonna where there's one there's probably hundreds behind that are going through the same thing and even if you have access to mental health services if you don't have insurance, I mean, how are you going to do that unless you're doing a ton of money? So all of the all of the the damaging things that I saw happen to me, happen to, um, you know, Danielle, happen to other cast members. I just feel like somebody had to say something and somebody. That used to be my phrase when I was younger. I'm like, well, when something was wrong, I'd say, well, somebody should say something. And. Then at some point, probably six years ago, I was like, wait a minute, I'm somebody and I can say something. And so that's been my motto. And I've, I've, I will fight the man every chance I get. And I feel like these people are suffering and they are manipulated. They are chewed up and spit out for corporate profit of massive production companies that are making millions, if not billions off of individuals that they torture through these shows. So I want to make sure that when they are preparing, they understand what they're getting into on those shows from a legal perspective and a experience perspective. I want to make sure that there is mental health support during because these shows are pressure cookers. Love is, Love is Blind is one pressure cooker after another for two years. And 
and it just takes its toll on people and they're making decisions without sleep when they're dehydrated when they're hungry and these are life-altering decisions and they have no mental health support whatsoever during these shows and then after shows the only thing you get from them is a nice little 20-minute phone call with a psychologist who says delete mean comments and you'll be fine and that doesn't that doesn't train you for being in the public eye or what to actually expect or how to cope with negativity and online bullying or how you need to carry yourself in in public to avoid you know any type of scandal like there's none of that not to mention the fact that when you get married on a show like love is blind and you're just dropped back into reality the day after your wedding you have no idea how to navigate any kind of conflict healthily because you've only been navigating it toxically because producers need that for the show or think they need that for the show so people are coming out of these things just completely traumatized and damaged and i i can't i can't take it anymore and i'm not gonna I'm not gonna say you can is the answer to everything i'm not even a hundred percent sure that you know it, it's a hundred percent what it needs to be but we're gonna get there and the outpour of support and fear um, from other cast members on Love is Blind and other shows has just been empowering to me to continue what we're doing. Well, I, I appreciate you guys, you know, starting this up and doing what you're doing because you just want to fight the good fight here. Jeremy, I'll ask you just a, a basic question about how this thing works. Say somebody is fresh off a reality show and clearly still under contract. They can't tell anybody. They can't really speak on their experience and they're going through it mentally, whatever the case may be. Now, matter how, how far, you know, how low they've gotten, how depressed they've gotten, whatever it may be, they reach out to you can, what's the next step that happens for them? Yeah. Um, from a process perspective, it's really understanding their needs and listening to them and providing them a safe and confidential place to talk. Right. Because there's so much, it's thuggery that goes on in the background where it's explicit threats of lawsuits um, if they talk and speak out. So the most important thing is providing them a forum to talk and for us to just listen, to understand what's going on and what their needs are and to make them feel, feel secure. And the reason why it's so important that this be led by X reality TV cast members is for that very reason. Um, there is this just implied understanding that for the most part, it's a trustworthy group because we've all gone through the same shit. And we, we've all heard the same threats. And so, again, the first thing is to understand, right? We're not going to make assumptions, but to understand what the need is. And then based on that, there's a couple of different routes we could go, right? One of them is we are creating a massive network of cast members, not just for a specific show, but a trusted group of people to just talk to on a secure line and commiserate with and, and have discussions with because – a big reason why things continue the way they are right now for so long in reality TV is because it's always been divide and conquer, right? Keep cast members separated. Don't let them group up. Don't let them unionize. And so that's one of the things we want to change. We want to give cast. We want to we want to bring the thousands of cast members together as one big voice. And to do that, we have to you know facilitate that communication in a secure, trusted way. Um, on top of that, there's also the potential for mental health and legal support. So. We are, as Nick said, we're building our network of mental health providers and um, legal legal professionals, lawyers, and even whole law firms have signed up. So it's it's under and we, we vet every single one personally, 
So again, confidentiality, security, um, even anonymity, if necessary, is very critically important to us. So based upon the needs and of this task member, have, we have NDAs for anybody that we onboard too. So they are fully confidential within the, the organization and the people they talk to from the organization. Mm, okay. clear that yeah. Up. And it's, it's also the nice thing is it's, it's self-selected, right? They reach out to us. So these are, these are people who, you know, generally care about this mission specifically. So it's, again, after talking to this individual, it would be understanding, okay, what do you need? Like, do you need to, us to help you set up uh, with a therapist just to talk to somebody? Or maybe you need to understand what your legal rights are in this case, because a lot of what's in those contracts um, is unenforceable from a contract law perspective for various reasons. But most people don't understand that. And it's a lot of threatening language to be threatening and scary, and it works, right? But the moment you can talk to a lawyer and the lawyer can say, well, this and this, you know, they, they can't actually do this or this is what your rights are or, you know, this clause is actually illegal. Um, you start to gain more confidence. So I think well, an important thing you know, to remember, too, is you, you can't NDA or contract away basic human rights. And that's what a lot yeah. of this stuff falls under. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And so. That's kind of that's kind of the short term goal from a cast member onboarding perspective. There's it's it's one it's to make sure that we can list give them a place to talk to us in a secure, potentially anonymous environment. Two, it's understanding what those needs are from that conversation. And three, it's matching them with the resources to help them deal with whatever trauma or potentially legal issues they feel like they might have. So one of the things that you brought up in your lawsuit. Jeremy, was the idea of independent contractors versus employees. Because on Love is Blind, you got paid for that seven to ten days in the pods. You got paid $1,000 for that week. And doesn't seem like a lot considering the hours that you had to put in. So can, yeah. you, can you explain the whole independent contractors versus employees thing? Yeah, and that's that's the linchpin of the lawsuit, really. Um, it's it's what the entire it's what all the other labor law violations allegations lie on, is this notion of a contract laborer versus a full time employee. And um, to your listeners, you can think of a contract laborer um, as, you know, if you if if you want to create a logo for your business, right, or if you if you're offloading some graphic design on somebody. Um, you you hire somebody off of like Fiverr or Upwork or something, and you say, "Hey, here's this general idea of what I want, right?" And then, but you're not you're not directing them in terms of, okay, well, you need to you need to spend this amount of time doing it. You need to do it on a MacBook Pro. You need to um, you need to be working during these hours, and you need to be working at this space, right? And you're not paying for their insurance or anything. You're paying them a set fee to do for an outcome. That's a contract laborer, right? Um, the moment an employer starts controlling the time, the place, the means of production, like all these different things you think of that are part of a normal employer-employee relationship, the IRS tends to think of that as more of a full-time employee, right? So that's sort of layman's terms context for the difference there. And I think it's, it's evident to anybody who's somewhat rational that, you know, on a reality TV set, they control all those things. They control where we are. They control what we do. They control how we do it. They control the times we have to show up and when we can leave. Um, they can, I mean, they, they control, control. They also control your time when you're quote off by telling you you can't leave your hotel room. 
Yeah, in fact, they, they control far more than should be an excessive amount of control is what was stated in the lawsuit. Um, and but again, if, if you can be classified as a contract employee, then there aren't really any labor laws to violate. So what the what the lawsuit is hinging upon is, look, based upon common law and actually um, codified legis legislation in California labor law, it's called AB5, there is no way we were contract employees. We were actually full-time employees. And if you're full-time employees, now you have all of these sort of guarantees um, and protections in place that were absolutely violated, regardless of anything else we've talked about. But I think the, the ultimate smoking gun... When you think about that with the payment, too, like we were making $7.14 an hour, working 18 to 20 hours a day. And, you know, as Dave Neal pointed out on his show the other day, when you, when you are in SAG, which I don't understand, and we can debate this, but, you know, I don't understand the difference between a SAG actor and a reality TV cast person. Um, you're, you're both performing and you're set, you're put on sets and then you're asked to interact. I, I mean, it's just, and you're recording film. So I, I, I don't subscribe to that, but, um, you know, his take was after, you know, eight hours, every, every hour, or I think it's 10, maybe every hour your pay increases because it's incentivized that if they're going to overwork you, you're going to be thoroughly compensated for it. And there's none of that in reality TV. Yeah. And I, Exactly. And I think the one thing I'll end with there is like in terms of contract labor versus full time employees, they produce their own smoking gun because they filed W-2s for us to the IRS. And you don't file a W-2 unless you're doing it for a full time employee. So um, they're either lying to us or they're lying to the IRS about the classification here. I mean, this is this is a game changer if, you know, obviously we're still in the the lawsuit is still, like you said, ongoing. We don't know what's going to happen with it, but. This is something that almost would change the whole game of reality television if essentially the contestants are allowed to unionize here and become part of a, hey, if I go on your show, we're getting compensated for this. Because Bachelor contestants for Bachelor and Bachelorette, they don't get anything. You get no yeah. – there's no pay. They ba sell you followers. Yeah. They just sell you followers. Exactly. And Bachelor in Paradise, yes, that's a different show, but – they actually get paid to go down to Mexico and it's but it's different pay for different people. If you're a bigger name in the franchise, you can negotiate a flat fee of, hey, I'm not going down there and spending two weeks down to Mexico and dealing with all that unless you pay me a flat 15 grand. Someone fresh mm -hmm. off a show that's a first or second night eliminatee that's just going to be showing up late to the beach. It's like a four hundred dollar a day per diem. And that is not a lot. Um, so, again, it's no. just there's no. There's no consistency there is basically no, what we're talking about. Yeah. What I'd like to add to that, too, is I just did a little um, reel on this yesterday, but the WGA is on strike, right? Yeah. And every time the WGA has gone on strike in history, starting in 19, the late 1980s, when cops and Rescue 911 and those old school reality shows um, were produced, and then again in 2008, when the writer stroke struck again, that was the big boom of reality TV that we still see today. And why is that? It's because it's cheaper to produce because you don't have to pay your cast. reality TV cast members. And 
the other thing that just blows my mind, and it, and it took me a while after coming out of it, but the only time we would get a break in the pods and in the lounge was when the crew was at their the end of their union day and they needed to swap out with a new crew. Meanwhile, we get to keep filming and get to keep working for nighttime dates for another four, five, six hours. It's just it's just ludicrous when you're sitting there and like people are, are getting off of work because legally they have to be let off of work and you're still sitting there working. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And like I said, this thing is you kind of brought it up as well. It's more just about Treating people respectfully, treating this is just a, almost a human decency thing of let's not exactly. treat them like they're animals. And, you know, I did not want to talk about him too much, but we have to kind of bring him up because he is certainly the biggest detractor of you can and all that you guys are standing for here. And that's everything that Nick Vial has come out and said. He seems to be the only one, which is even more bizarre, who has such a problem with what you're doing now. I don't know if Nick reacted just – I'm not sure why he reacted the way he did. I, obviously, I know he's very pro- – I have some theories. Yeah. He's yeah, very, very pro-production. We know that. But it almost seems like he didn't even bother to look at what I mean, you guys do were you doing. Think, right. Well, he didn't, and he said that. But why do you think he's pro-production? That's my question. Well, because – they basically uh, they, number one they they, they they funnel him interviews they funnel him interviews journalism he gets he gets the um he gets the bachelor and bachelorette and bachelor in paradise episodes yeah. sent to him before they air so he can have his podcast ready to go at nine oh one uh or ten oh one eastern time when the show ends on Monday nights so yes that's he's certainly on production side we've all we're all very aware of this and it's just. I think it says a lot about him as a person. I've said this already, and I'll say it again. It just says more about him as a person that when he found out about UCAN, why his reaction wasn't, wow, that's pretty cool that they're helping people who really struggle off the show, as opposed to just getting so triggered by what you guys are he was doing. so triggered. Why is he so mad at well, this? <laughs> like, so do you want to... He called my, you, my theory. Well, he called you guys. Really quick on, he, he called you guys mother. Like these motherfuckers <laughs> are asking for money. Like, why are you so mad, dude? Like, yeah, he al- yeah. He also said I'm not smart enough to monetize my platform. Yeah, and that's it's like, dude. Like I, I monetize my platform in the way I want to in accordance to my values. Um, I hope you do the same. I don't know. Yeah. But um, you know the the whole thing with him being so frustrated. As he even said on his show, he didn't do any research. Um, all of his his uh, fans or viewers or something to that extent did it for him. And that's disappointing, Nick, because you could have spent 30 seconds looking at my profile and realized that I organized in my city to get the new mayor elected, that I've been volunteering in an activism since 2008, that I care about my community. I'm very invested in what goes on here, that I have a podcast that talks about removing or works to remove stigmas around mental health and free speech and all of these these you know crazy topics that people are uncomfortable to talk about so i am doing something and this is like in my dna so he for him to say oh there's trees that need to be planted or whatever other stuff he was spewing out like check all you had to do is hop on my profile for 30 seconds and you would see that i spend a lot of my time trying to help other people 
Which yeah, and right. he got he got I mean, he got a lot of a lot of things wrong, right? I mean, oh yeah, one of the things one of his uh, aspersions was, well, they're just doing this for fame, and it's like, well, if you had just looked at my Instagram, you would have seen my 1,900 followers even after this came out, <laughs> um, and sort of disavowed you of that notion. Um, so wh- where's my motivation? But the the other aspect is, and this is again, this is a theory I have is. You know, the irony is Nick is still being manipulated by them, even as he's decrying this this um, organization to try to remove some of these more exploitative manipulations and practices. And I say he's being manipulated by them still is because, you know, they right now, given the current climate and the discussion around this, Netflix or Kinetic couldn't come out directly and say the things that they want to say about us. Um, it would look bad. And it would get bad publicity on them, and it would, it would reflect poorly on them. But you know who can? They can send Nick Vile out there, and he can talk about yeah. those things, and uh, he can take the heat for it, right? So, um, you know, they're, they're putting him on the they're, they're putting him on the front line, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he realizes it, or maybe he realizes it, and he's just getting paid enough that it doesn't matter. But like. They put him on the front line to say what they didn't want to say so that he would take the heat for it. And I don't know if he's well, actually yeah. growing his following or, or whatever, right? But it, it, it was a bad look for him. His take was a bad look. And yeah. that was a take that should have gone back on Kinetic and Netflix. Well, and I also want to say, too, like, I, I thought Nick would be, like, one of – I've been calling him the end-level boss, right? Once we've, once we've built a coalition of reality folks and fans that want to have better working conditions and mental health support, then we would have to go on shows like Nick's or some of the, you know, bigger podcasts to try and win over the more broad reality TV um, audiences. And then he came for us on like day four and all of a sudden it was, uh, everything blew up and it was a, it was a poor take and it was very short sighted. And in my opinion, again, this is my opinion. And here's the thing. I don't think Nick's a bad guy. We've had a few DM exchanges. I was on his show briefly, virtually. Um, you know, he, he I, I don't think he's a bad guy. I just think that this is this is a take from him where the way he looks at this entire reality TV thing is people only do it to get famous, which makes sense because he was on The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise twice. Like, that's his perspective. That's his sandbox. But his sandbox is in the middle of a desert. And there's a lot of other people out there that have a completely different agenda, a completely different reason for going on these shows, myself included. I didn't I don't care about fame. I don't care about making endless amounts of money. I care about, you know, what I leave behind and I want to leave behind a place better than I, I arrived to it. at. And love is blind because I thought maybe I could find someone that way just because of the format of the show and it addressed a lot of the reasons that I had stopped using dating apps and I'd kind of given up. So I didn't go on to get famous. That is, that is something that, you know, I have a little bit of now, but to just project that on there, it's just it, to onto every reality TV personality. It's just, it's so short-sighted. Well, it's, it's short-sighted. And like I said, it kind of speaks to his character. It just doesn't make, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense and for him to admit that he didn't put a lot of thought into it and he didn't do a lot of research on it, again, like you said, makes it even worse. Um, and I think, and I think the fact that, you know, you should be going. I, Nick Thompson should be sitting on that couch three feet away from Nick. And I'm really curious to see if he'd say that to your face. We know what um, you know, Nick, your ex-wife Danielle 
has said about her mental health struggles and Nick's take has been, well, if you've thought about suicide in the past, maybe you shouldn't go on a reality show. I would love for Nick Vial to say that to Danielle's face as she's sitting in his studio three feet away from him. I mean, I, I don't think he would, but I almost kind of want him to because it would make him look even that much worse. Like, holy shit, it's one thing to say it when she's not even around, and then you're going to say right. it to somebody's face who's who's been through something like that and who's been that low right. and that depressed. I mean, you you and Danielle. I mean, he and better Dr- not say that to my face because yeah. that's going to – but no, Those are fighting it words. is, and it's it is, and that is that is the one thing that I'm like, Nick, thank you for saying something so stupid and short sighted again, and and insensitive, because that's the whole point. Danielle was transparent. I'm I'm assuming and unbelieved throughout her her process, and they put her in this situation anyway. So that proves to you right there that whatever's going on with these psychological exams is not setting up people for mental health support or success. Yeah. And to put her after having experienced that and knowing that there's been suicides from the bachelor from love Island, other shows have all sorts of issues similar or not similar, but you know what I mean? Like other mental health issues. To put her in there, like, that's the system being broken, dude. And she has no rights. There's no rights. She wasn't compensated properly. She wasn't given proper mental health services when she had a panic attack in Mexico. What did they do? They had producers in there forcing her to film. That is deplorable, and that is the problem. And Nick Vile wants to say, oh, well, someone with suicide shouldn't be on a show. Okay, great. Why don't we get some policy around that? Why don't we get some some better psychological evaluation around that? That's why we're here. Wasn't wasn't Nick essentially proving her point? Because Danielle said that, like, why was I even approved to be on this show? Like what and then even once I got on the show, when I had my this panic attack in Mexico and I told producers I was having suicidal thoughts, why wasn't I removed from the show? That's her whole point, it seemed yeah. like Nick was making her point for her. Like, it, it made him look, again, it made him look even worse. But he, yeah, and yeah, I think he doesn't, the, the other, he doesn't have the ability to look at anything from another perspective. That's yeah. why he doesn't want to have conversation with me or her, yeah. for that matter. He would rather just use his platform to spew his propaganda and then not have anyone counter it or not have anyone go against him or not have anyone present some pretty compelling arguments on the merits of this instead of the emotional trigger point. Yeah, and I think there's uh, another point around mental health that our uh, director of mental health on our board of UCAN uh, likes to talk about, I think is really salient here, is that mental health is not a binary thing where you're either healthy or you're not, right? It's along a spectrum, and we all live on that spectrum somewhere. Um, You know, from one end, which is just so dysfunctional, you can't operate uh, outside of the hospital to, you know, the other end being, um, you know, in really great shape overall. But we're all on that spectrum somewhere. It's not like, oh, well, this person, this person is a is positive for poor mental health. Right. Um, So it just because you like everyone may have some mental health issues here or there, it doesn't mean you can't be a normal person and do normal person things. And the the other the other aspect of that is people who were very stable like I, I considered myself one of these people too and um and who knows maybe I just wasn't self aware right but um I didn't keep that away what's that yeah and 
you you go on these shows and the environment is so destructive and so uh, awful in every single way that you come out trauma. No matter how strong you are, you come out traumatized. Look, if when when you go through a period of such sophisticated manipulation, and I'm telling you, it is incredibly sophisticated. Yeah. With the budgets they have, they pay people a lot of money to know how to short circuit your you know your neurotransmitters like they're using neuroscience against you and when you come out of that and you realize that you were manipulated against your will and without you realizing it it shatters your friggin identity and it shatters your your ego as an individual of who am i anymore no matter how strong you are and it's just it just blows my mind that this notion, this, and again, I'm not going to attack Nick personally, but this narrative that he's putting out there of if you don't have, you know, if you have a mental health issue, you should go on a show. Like, one, that's not how mental health works, Mr. I want to be a therapist. Two, even if you don't have mental health issues, going on the show will certainly give you some based upon everything that's happening. And it's just, it's such a warped, messed up, destructive message. And I think I, I don't blame Nick Vile. I want to, and I'll end with this. I don't blame Nick Vile at all for wanting to monetize and capitalize on his fame and his fortune on the Bachelor series. I think that's a rational decision to make, right? What I do have a problem with is using that platform to spread destructive, harmful messages. Exactly. That's where the line needs to be drawn. Yeah. And what a what a horrible way to make someone who has mental health challenges illness, suicide ideation, suicidal thoughts, suicide attempts. What a way to make them feel small. Yeah. Yeah. You're not good enough for reality TV, even though reality TV in the same sentence, he'll say you have no talent. You have to have no talent to go on reality TV. What? (laughs) I mean, there's so many points that, you know, and like I said, it's just one of these things where I wish, and I just knowing the way Nick works, and and my interview that I did with him three years ago that went completely south. Awesome of that. It was just, it was he was he had me on his podcast because he wanted to bring me down and he wanted to attack me for what I had done. And I and I fully admit, and I've admitted in the past, and I admit it to this day that the way I covered the show in the past was wrong, and I've changed the way I've covered the show. I'm basically just, hey, here are your spoilers, and here's my re- here are my thoughts on the show. And if anybody wants to come forward about a contestant or whatever, they have to put their name behind it. Whereas before I was just being the middleman and, and right. really going after contestants. I don't do it anymore. And, but the interview that I had with Nick, you know, it obviously clouded my judgment and clouded my view of him, not to mention email conversations I had with him before that, uh, post text conversations I had with him. It just, just not a good guy. And I wish he would just be like, you know what? Kind of like what I did when I reassessed what I was doing. You know what? Maybe I should think about this. And, you know, this isn't such a bad idea. And I should have put thought and I shouldn't have had this take. And I I apologize. And I just I don't think it's going to happen. I just he you as you mentioned, Nick, uh, on a reel on Friday, you know, he he stopped all his tagging. I don't know if it was because he went to stagecoach and didn't want to be bothered, but he nobody could tag him in anything, which proves to me he's well aware of how many people were tagging him for his awful takes on you can and Danielle, he knows now. But yet, as far as I know, he's just well, gonna stage coach is over, and you still yeah. can't tag him as of before the call. Okay, so he's still in that phase, 
and I don't think that there is I don't think it's coming and that's and that's disappointing. It's okay to admit you're fucking wrong sometimes. Yeah. You know? Like it's not that hard. What's well, healthy? Yes. It's actually good because it means you're learning and growing. And he's not. Yeah. And it, it, it this is everybody can say, well Nick's allowed to have an opinion. Yes, he is allowed to have his own opinion, but this is an opinion that, you know, some people can have an opinion based on knowledge that they have of something and he doesn't have any knowledge about this yet he's forming an opinion. And that makes the opinion wrong. I mean, he's just flat out wrong in this situation. And I'm glad that there's, you know, no, I don't know. I don't know of anybody else that is as against you guys and what you're doing as, as he is. Has anybody else been out there that I've just missed? I mean, obviously the Nick stuff is circulated. Are there any other people outside of, you know, Kinetic just, and Netflix? But... Just, in the, <laughs> just in the comments. Okay, yeah. Just in the comments. And those comments probably have no research those commenters probably have done no oh, research no. either. It's just basic, like, well, you know what you signed up for. Maybe don't go on reality TV. Yeah. You know, the basic stuff. Yeah. That's surface level. So that's exactly right. So what? So what happens from here? I guess uh, you know we you build you can as much as you can. You get it out there. I mean, in a in a weird kind of, I guess in a weird way, the fact that so many people are now talking about Nick and his awful take has brought attention to you can. I mean, it almost kind of works in your favor, right? Uh, he's the, that was the best PR we could have possibly have imagined for <laughs> the show yeah. um, or for the, for our us going on shows and being able to talk about this before the foundation. And, um, you know, so for that, I, I guess, thank you. Um, but I think what's more important is that Nick looks at this, learns from this, um, you know, apologizes to Danielle, apologizes to anyone else who has felt little by those comments or made to be less than by those comments. And then I'd also like to see him, um, you know, have an honest discussion about it. And people have been messaging me, DMing me saying, oh, Nick is going to just keep cutting you guys down. Then he'll invite you on when he's already beaten you down to just beat you down a little bit more. And I can't be beaten down when I know I'm doing the right thing and I'm pretty good debater. So if he actually wants to have a conversation on the merits of whether or not our, our foundation should exist, then I'm more than happy to do that. I'm not going to sling mud. I'm not going to attack him. I don't have any hard feelings towards him once he wants to, to actually have a conversation about this. And that's the thing. I, I can't imagine him bringing you on and you talk about the merits of this foundation and him just being like, well, that sucks, or this is awful. Like, I, You're doing it for fame. Yeah. You're doing it for fame and to get rich. Yeah. That's what I've been saying. Like, Yeah. It's a nonprofit. All You're not making money people, off this. All Yeah. All the rich people in the world, all the famous people started nonprofits to help people. Yeah. And I, th I think that's what I, I, I mean, it's the biggest argument about against what he's saying in terms of the part that he's saying about, oh, you're just doing this to get famous or doing this to get followers is yeah. like you said, it's a nonprofit organization. When somebody donates, like before we recorded, about 20 minutes before we started recording today, um, I donated to the foundation. I'll probably donate, you know, when my next paycheck comes. Thank you. Just to, oh, just to throw really in there. appreciate that. So when someone donates, where is the money going towards? Jeremy, you can take that one. Yeah, for sure. Um, so there's, I think with a nonprofit, it's important to understand that we, we fully comply with IRS 501c3 for regulations and how to run a nonprofit charitable organization. And part of that is full transparency on where the money goes. And I think you can bifurcate it into 
two different um, areas, right? There is uh, general administrative, right, which is running the business. Um, and again, it, it is a business in the sense that, you know, there's there's a fee for the website, there's the fee for the hosting, there's a fee for the server. Um, there's expenses that um, that are required for this to continue and to operate. And so there are operating expenses that a portion of the donations will go to. Um, right, you know, in, in almost all nonprofits, um, board members are paid positions. Um, I want to make that very clear. Right now, none of us are making any money, and we don't have a we don't have a plan to start paying ourselves in the short term because um, we would rather see the donations go towards directly towards the mission at the moment. Um, at some point, that might change, right? You know, to be a viable business, we can't it can't it can't just be volunteers the entire time, right? That's if we want to if we want to accomplish our mission. At some point, it will have to transition to a more traditional nonprofit. Um, but the point being, you know, that's one side of it, which is running the business. But the other side is everything related to, directly related to our mission, right? So how do we reach out to and build our network of um, mental health and legal professionals? How do we create an, a, an efficient onboarding system and a trust network so that when they reach out to us, um, how can we make sure that we can trust them to match them with our cast members? And how can we create a system to onboard them and protect the information? How do we create a system to match these individuals? Um, well, and a and lot of people don't know this about mental health counseling, but every single state has its own licensure requirements. So somebody who's in Illinois, like myself, I can't work with a counselor or a counselor can't work with me legally that isn't licensed in Illinois. So there's all sorts of, you know, uh, vetting and admin and matching and pairing and making sure that, you know, people are, are compensated and for their time. Um, and, and, you know, especially if it's a scenario where, you know, someone doesn't have any money or something like that. So we just have to, uh, you know, we just have to take all that into consideration. Yeah. And I want to, I want to have a very important clarifying point though, is um, we are not taking donations to pay for people's therapy for them. Right. Um, that's not the case. We, we are using donations and the contributions to help like to grow our network of professionals, to match individuals to the therapists and other legal professionals that they might need. And, you know, ultimately, though, it's it's either going to be, you know, a some level of pro bono work from those professionals if they've agreed to do that. But there's also, you know, we are fully going to use the individual's insurance if they have that, right? We're, our intention isn't to take your money and to pay for someone else's therapy, right? No. That's absolutely not the intention. But at, at the same time, we do want to have a fund available if someone is in dire need and cannot afford a therapist. We want to be able to help those people. Um, and it's the same thing from a legal perspective. Part of, part of what we want to do is – and I – you know, when I first filed the lawsuit, the same, I'm, I'm not getting the quite the volume that I did or that Nick's getting, but when I first filed the lawsuit, I had about 50 reality TV cast members reach out to me in my DMs thanking me. But every single one of them was terrified to speak up or go on record because, yeah, yeah. again, they're, they're, te they're threatened explicitly and implicitly. And, you know, we do want to have a legal defense fund as well. So if someone speaks up and they get a cease and desist order or they they get actually a lawsuit, we want to be able to defend them because the only way to change this is to expose this. And if people are afraid to expose things, then they should be right. You had bachelor stars getting sued successfully. Um, if, if we can create a space that people feel comfortable doing this, where even if they are retaliated against, they'll be taken care of 
by the UCAN Foundation, that's a game changer. And so, you know, that's that's also where this is going. But it's, you know, on top of that, donations can be used to grow our, you know, marketing and outreach to ensure that we're taking care of everybody. This isn't just Love is Blind. This isn't just Bachelor. It's cooking shows. It's tattoo shows. It's competition shows. So it's it's going towards every – and if you look on our webpage, you can very clearly read our mission. You can read our values, and you can read our vision. It's all up there. And every single dollar – directly goes towards fulfilling that without without fail and again we are going to be releasing financial statements we haven't figured out the frequency yet we're two weeks old um you know at the very least it'll probably be quarterly but every, you're going to see where every dollar is going and it's going towards this mission yeah it's the youcanfoundation.org and i think uh, you know obviously everything that you just said about helping contestants but i think one of the biggest things is kind of starting at the uh, not the beginning but what you're what you're doing in terms of trying to create change is these reality show contracts they need to change right like it, that's what you're trying to get into is absolutely that this whole notion of we can embarrass you we can defame you we can we can say false statements about your character and you have no legal recourse what you're saying is yeah, that, that, that shouldn't be in there for sure. And I, I'm going to jump in real it quick and shut up because, because I think there's an important point that I don't think we've made yet, which is, so when they gave us, I always hear the devil's advocate, well, you should have had a lawyer review it, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> when they gave us the contract, it was about, uh, it was midnight on a Friday, um, Chicago time. And as a condition to be continued casting, right? This wasn't an employment contract. This was just, if you want to still be considered as a cast member, we had to return it by, um, like Monday at 9 p.m. or something like that, right? So and this was six months before the show started filming. So they they deliberately timed it so that we couldn't actually find legal support. Um, so I think that's an important thing to point out about the contract in terms of whether or not we knew what we were signing up to or had an ability to know even. So I'll, I'll, I'll stop there, but I, it was a point that just yeah. raised up in my mind. And Nick, were you going to say something? I forgot. <laughs> no, <it's> okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. No, but I mean, I, I've I've seen the Bachelor contract. I think all of them are fairly the same. I think pretty much every reality TV contract says the same thing, that we can do whatever we want to your character and you have no legal recourse. And you can't just walk off the show whenever you feel like it. You're basically trapped until you are, quote unquote, eliminated. And then, you know, we'll give you your phone your passport your keys your money all your credit yeah. cards everything back once you're yep. done with us but until then and then there's the whole you have at least in the bachelor contract it is one year from the time filming ends where you are still under their complete control you cannot talk to anybody doing any sort of interview that's not approved by the show and i think that's where yep. you know that's where they got a couple of these guys um bachelor wise you know suing them because they did unapproved interviews and spoke about stuff that wasn't on camera. But then again, as I've said, they're picking and choosing on that because there's plenty of contestants that have gone on and talked about things that never aired, but nothing happens to them because they are well liked by the show and they're, you know, quote unquote popular yep. characters and we want to bring them back. It's the people they don't like that they're just making an example out of. And that's again, it's ridiculous. Can can this you can unscripted cast advocacy network can it get to a point where 
it changes reality TV show contestant contracts? That's a huge goal of ours. And here's what I want to add about the contract is what I was going to say before that I forgot briefly. Yeah. Um, with that clause, you can't go against the narrative. We can say whatever we want. We can move dialogue around. We can, you know, basically show the back of your head and then take a line of something you said in a completely different scenario and make it look like you said it there. Yeah. All of that stuff is happening. And we, I don't, I didn't watch, um, I can't watch it anymore. It's too depressing. Um, but I know what happened with Jackie because I was DMing with Jackie in real time while it was happening for season four and they edited stuff out of order. Um, another gentleman, they cut out a part where uh, I forget exactly how this worked. I saw it on his TikTok, but anyway, they, they basically make it look like he plagiarized the song that he sang. And then he actually had the footage somehow to show the context of it, where it was, that was in fact not the case. So like they're doing these things. They know they're doing these things. And that means they're lying. So editing is lying. These contracts are signing you up to be lied about. Yeah. And that is something that needs to change. And people deserve rights. You know, Nick, earlier in the podcast, you had mentioned you were going to read something from a contestant, and then, I don't know, we got sidetracked. Do you still have that? Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. Will you, I just <laughs> we wanted to – um, And I, I don't remember what it was. You know, I don't remember even where the conversation went. But I, yeah, know, give me once. I know we never heard you read um, something that a contestant uh, had sent to you. You don't need to tell us the show. Obviously, you don't need to tell us their name. But I'd love to yeah. hear what they said to you in an email. So, Yes. Here, here's what I got in a DM, and this one I'm going to be sharing uh, possibly tomorrow publicly um, without without names because this, this person's scared. For sure. Uh, so, hey, hey, Nick, I was on Redacted Show, which is a reality TV show filmed by Kinetic Content. I'm so grateful to you speaking out about the horrible working conditions we're exposed to and the mental trauma. I've been severely struggling with my mental and physical health since filming. It was psychological warfare and so much manipulation. I would love to chat sometime and see how you're able to speak out against them without repercussions. We are threatened often about not breaking the NDA. Huh. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. The last Just thing I heard was the last thing I last thing I heard was NDA. Was that the last sentence? Yeah, that was the end. Yeah. Okay. Um they threaten them with the NDA. Okay. And yeah, and that's what and that's what they do. They just hold this over you like, well, just know you signed a contract. You can't say anything. And it's just like that's where we have to kind of, like I said, get to the beginning of it. This the contract needs to be changed or else we are just going to continue to have contestants come off reality TV. Some and and the thing is, obviously, some have great experiences. And the reason Mm -hmm. why the reason why Nick Thompson and Jeremy Hartwell and Danielle Rule aren't going on Bachelor Happy Hour and Nick's podcast and clickbait is because they are all protected by production of, you know, the Bachelor yep. shows. They'll I don't think they'll ever have you on, and that's disappointing. It's almost those people. And I, the only the only time they will is is when they think they have an opportunity to with a gotcha. But here's the thing. When you're doing the right thing and you're standing by the truth, there aren't gotchas if you're confident and you know what you're doing. So yeah. they can keep avoiding. We'll keep doing the right thing. And when it all is said and done, 
um, you know, we're going to get change one way or another because it always comes from the ground up and you always got to fight for it. And unfortunately for them, fortunately for me, I was built for it. I love fighting up. I love punching up. I love taking on the man and I love doing it for regular people who maybe don't have the voice or the opportunity to do it. So every hit that comes our way, whether it's Nick Bile or just a complete media blackout or whatever it ends up being, like it will only make us stronger. Well, I really respect what you guys are doing. I'm so glad I was able to have you on and um, and have this conversation. Like I said, it's the UCAN um, Foundation. It's UCANFoundation.org. stands for Unscripted Cast Advocacy Network. You can go there. You can learn more about it. You can donate. And, again, Jeremy and Nick, I can't thank you enough uh, for coming on and sharing this. I know you've been making the media rounds. I'm glad I was able to get you on because, you know, maybe – People who didn't listen to Game of Roses will listen to this and vice versa. You know, you just never know who's listening to what. So I appreciate you guys speaking out on this yet again. Um, and, you know, good luck in all your future endeavors, and we'll definitely uh, be in touch here. Great. Thank you, yeah, Steve. Thanks. thanks so much. You got thanks it. Thanks so much, Steve. Really appreciate it. Bye. Uh, thanks to Jeremy and Nick for coming on. Uh, I can't thank them enough for that story. And, you know, I, I know you've probably either read the Business Insider article or you heard them on Game of Roses. You heard them on Dave Neal's show. And this is the whole point that I'm talking about. These people, Jeremy, Nick Thompson, Danielle Rule, who have all come on Game of Roses, Dave, She's All Batch, me, while we can only put it out there as much as we can and bring attention to it, these are people that should be going on Nick Vile's podcast and they should be going on Bachelor Happy Hour and they should be going on Clickbait. But those shows will never have them on because those shows are basically protected by production. And production would be like, absolutely not. Are you going to put somebody on who talks about what we do behind the scenes? You know? Um, like I said, there's a part of me that would love Danielle to sit three feet away from Nick and have Nick spew that awful take about, well, maybe you shouldn't have gone on reality TV in the first place if you had suicidal thoughts. I mean, I would have. <laughs> it's already a horrible take enough as it is, but it's very easy to say that when the woman isn't sitting right next to you. Uh, but, you know, it's frustrating. I wish Nick would just take a step back and actually admit he's wrong about something and sit back and be like, you know what? I didn't give this enough thought. I didn't give it enough research. This is actually a good thing for reality show contestants. But it's just, I don't what, physically impossible for him to do that? I don't know. I don't understand it. It's a very weird flex on his part. I know it's just, well, Steve, he's siding with production. Oh, shut up. Um, Steve, he's siding with production. Of course he's going to take that stance. Well, it's okay to admit you're wrong. I don't understand how badly he's, as we talked about, triggered by this. It's not like he's saying, oh, I don't know, I don't get what these UCAN people are doing. I don't get it. I'm just not going to talk about it. He's openly criticizing them and calling them motherfuckers for starting a foundation, a nonprofit organization to help reality show contestants struggling with mental health. He called them motherfuckers. That's all you need to know about Nick Vial. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciated. We're back tomorrow with yet another Daily Roundup and Sports Daily. So, for Jeremy Hartwell, Nick Thompson, 
I'm Reality Steve. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you tomorrow. See you!